Heyo, and welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, podcast where college students and faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together, we set and achieve goals for ourselves to get us where we want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 78 of the podcast. And uh, like I usually am when I start these off, I am hella excited to be here today. You don't typically hear me come on and be like, yeah, I'm pretty, uh, I'm not very excited, I'm regretting the fact that I am coming on today. <laughs> no, my fine young brothers and sisters in scholarly capacity. No, I am actually really, really, really excited this week um, because I am bringing to you one of... Uh, I think the best interviews I've ever done uh, in terms of the, the amount of info that I think we talk about in this podcast. Um, the, I th- the college student interviews are always my favorite and, you know, nothing against the, the experts and, and the faculty and the, um, you know, researchers that I've had on and, and everybody. Um, everybody's awesome you know, and bring something unique to the podcast. But every once in a while, I think I just kind of really connect with somebody. And um, this one, I when I did it, I, we actually had recorded over the summer. I was like, you know, really happy with how it came and uh, came out and have been uh, sitting on it for a while and have been, you know, excited to bring it. So without any further ado, uh, this is an interview with a college student in recovery. Uh, her name's Lisa. And take it away, Derek and Lisa. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Uh, really happy to have you on. Um, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for asking me. Um, I feel really honored that you asked me, actually. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, well, I guess we should tell the audience how we know each other. Um, so Lisa was a student of mine um, and in the program where I work. And um, we had a number of classes. I'm not even sure how many. Do you know? <laughs> Two. Two classes. First, well, well, three. Yeah. Oh, my God. Something like that. Um, but I withdrew. Yeah. yeah. We'll maybe get into that a little. Um, so if you wanted to maybe just uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, maybe just like how old you are. Um, when you started school, um, what you're doing now kind of things. Okay. Um, well, I'm 34 and I'm a student at Rutgers. Um, I just graduated with my AS in, um, psych rehab. Um, I'm actually working as a case manager now, um, where I was interning. My supervisor didn't want to lose me and she asked me um to work for her so that was awesome and i'm working with homeless women with children who have a mental illness or and or addiction um issues um it's it's actually the first time in 10 years that i've worked so um i'm really happy about that it's a big accomplishment and um I don't know. I I haven't gone full time yet. I'm trying to wean myself into working again. So I'm working part time. Um, I also am currently in um, peer provider uh, training. And that goes from six months, actually. It ends in October. I just started last week. 
So I'm really excited about that. And I also applied to Kane for my bachelor's degree. And it's it's funny because graduating with my AS was a huge accomplishment. I have been in school since I was 18, college. And I've always had this fear of graduating because I would have to face the real world and I switch majors a bunch of times. So this was a huge deal for me to graduate and it's just motivated me to go on um, with my education. Um, what else? Well, that is uh, a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't realize you were doing some of that stuff. Um, yeah. So... Let me ask you about the peer providers, because I don't know if the uh, listeners may know what that is. Can you explain what the peer provider training program is about? Sure. It's um, working with you know um, individuals that have a mental illness or addiction. And since I, am, I have mental illness and actually addiction, it's just working as a peer, like connecting with them. Cause I feel like my best therapist, most successful, um, was someone, was a peer, someone that had gone through it themselves. So, um, that inspired me to, you know, become a peer specialist cause I can relate to them and there's that partnership and it's really made a difference in my recovery. So, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I um, I just want to stress because we use the term peer a lot in psych rehab, um, a little bit differently than it might be used in normal society. Um, so like people, college students may listening right now may be thinking, oh, like my peers are other college students, and that's true. Yeah. But in um, in our in like sort of the community mental health field, we use the term peer to refer to uh, a person in recovery that's sort of working with other people in recovery, um, whether that's in the mental illness space or addiction space. You know, you point out some uh, there's a lot of overlap. Um, so yeah, the training program I've heard you know really awesome stories about in terms of people that have been in recovery usually a little while. It usually takes somebody uh, a number of years, I think. What was that? You have to, yeah, you have to be um, not hospitalized or uh, for like a year. That's a requirement. Okay, that's cool. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. And I could see why, you know, they would want yeah. <laughs> a certain amount of stability in people's lives before undertaking something like that. Um, but that's really awesome. So it's a six-month program. And what is it? Is it like online classes or you go... And meet um, somewhere? It's within the Mental Health Association in New Jersey, and it's in Mercer County. And we, right now, I'm doing the RAP training, mm -hmm. which is three days and then all day. And then after that, like next week, I start um, the core training, which is um, one of the requirements to get your peer certification. So you also need like 500 hours of, of you know, volunteering or working in the field. Um, yeah, I think that's about, oh, you need your high school diploma. Mm -hmm. You have to have graduated. Um, so, yeah. And then I'll start next week, and that goes on every Thursday until the end of October. Okay. 
and then you get uh, like a certification and that yeah. is something that is uh, sort of agencies are looking for mm-hmm yeah yeah um, it, it, we have like a graduation which is cool I didn't yeah. know that <laughs> that's awesome I mean it, it should be it should be celebrated um, I think it's great to, that we're talking about this because it's something that you can do sort of alongside college um, you know are I would imagine you know it's it's definitely supported by the the place where you work and may even sometimes be um, they may compensate you know or, or support you to go on a training like that um, and it just makes you you know anyone you know mentalists are not kind of doing these extra opportunities you know good uh, more well-rounded uh, practitioner in whatever you're trying to to accomplish yeah. And if anybody's thinking of looking into that, it's also free, which is a plus. Oh, okay. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So I will include a link to some information on peer provider training in today's show notes. Um, if you go to the Mental Health Association, it's under Consumer Connections. Okay. Great. Yeah. So yeah, if anyone's it. interested, take a look in the show notes and I'll put a link right to it for you to uh, find it easily. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned was you you were doing an internship and it turned into a job. <laughs> um, yeah. so what was, how, how was that process? Because I having worked with a lot of, uh, intern student interns, um, that is not the, the norm. Most students do not get offered jobs, um, by the place where they're interning, uh, especially students that uh, are in the associates program due to like long-standing regulations basically about um, bachelors yeah. needing a bachelor's in the field so that's impressive tell me how a little bit about how that happened um well i have this issue with school where i just don't think i'm good enough like i'm terrible at this job and so i was very surprised when she asked me um at first she um offered me an ad, uh, what's that, sub job. Mm -hmm. And then um, there was a part-time that opened up and she asked me if I wanted that job. And I was like, yeah. So, um, you know, and she's seen the, like, the progress I've made with the individuals I work with and how I communicate with them. And, and you know, I'm just really... Um, you know, there for them. And I, I love it. I love helping them, you know, reach their goals. And she just saw the, um, you know, uh, sorry. It's okay. You know, the progress that I made with them. So, um, she didn't want to lose me and I'm, I was shocked, but excited. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But so go ahead. I'm sorry. No, when I was interning, I worked in transitional housing, um, individuals who are homeless and um, have a mental illness or addiction issues. But right now I moved to, it's called Franklin House, which is homeless women and children. Mm -hmm. And so it's different than from what I'm used to. And I actually like it a lot more. So that's good. Yeah, that's another good point to bring up is a lot of times these internships, you know, by the luck of the draw, some of them are going to be great and you're going to really identify the with the place. And some of them are going to be like, oh, 
Um, yeah. But the you know what, even the ones that end up not so you know pleasant often can lead to these opportunities. It's like, well, yeah, endure this for a little while, but this opportunity will come along if you stick it out. Um, right. And that's really cool. And you didn't even know you liked it. It sounds like until you got into it, and now you found you liked it even more working with mm-hmm. this other population. Right. And but I knew about Franklin House and. Mm-hmm. Um, I had said to my supervisor towards the end of my internship, I'm like, can I go over to Franklin House and just kind of shadow? Because I'm very interested in, like, you know, women with children. Like, sounded like something I really, you know, want to experience. So, and then right then and there, she's like, yeah, you can work over there, you know. So it was kind of like, what? I didn't believe it, but... Yeah, and then when I was going to leave, she offered me the job. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sort of illustrates what I what I think about when I think of the students that have gotten these job opportunities following internships is they made the most of them and they, you know, took the opportunities to kind of, you know, do the the I would call it I guess the optional work, you know. A lot mm-hmm. of students I would find would just do the minimum. And they, you know, they'll get what the grade that they need to get in most cases. But the students that will kind of take the extra opportunities like, oh, yeah, I'll go to that extra training or, yeah, I'll come in on this other day that I'm not scheduled or, yeah, can I just go over there and learn some more? Those are the people that are going to get the opportunities like you you received. And I didn't even know that it had turned from sub to kind of more of a steady part time role. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, So... When you were in college, and I and it's cool to hear that you're planning to return. Uh, I know you you struggled with your mental illness. Um, I was wondering if you could just kind of talk a little bit about what it was like for you, um, maybe what your diagnosis was, and and how the symptoms sort of played out in your ability to kind of get to that goal of graduation. Okay, um, so. Let's see. I've been in the psych rehab program since like 2014. Um, And, you know, I really struggled with completing the program. Um, I completed the first semester and then I was hospitalized, you know, and I returned, you know, a year later. Um, I actually was hospitalized and I had 18 ECT treatments, which is electric shock therapy. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it worked like it worked. <laughs> um, so, and then I returned the next semester and, um, I just was having a really hard time handing in my assignments and I was getting so far behind and, um, so I withdrew and then, well, the thing with me is, is that I never give up. Like if I want to achieve something, you know, I will work really hard to reach that goal. But with school, <clears throat> it's been really hard because I've been terrified of graduating. So I came back and then um, I started falling behind again. And um, my uh, with the program director, um, mm-hmm. his name is Peter. He um, he was the reason that I passed the class and graduated. He's always 
believed in me. Um, I would meet with him and we'd have conversations and he would, you know, kind of hold me accountable. Um, and so I feel like if it wasn't for him, I don't think I would have graduated. So, um, he was very helpful. Um, also I was having this issue with having to be perfect. Um, having to get A's, you know, um, and pushing myself to keep this high GPA. So, um, I was, I was working, like I never had enough time. I felt like I was, you know, up all, all nights. Like I, I would stay up at like three, four nights in a row, try to get my assignments done because I have perfect you know, I wanted it to be perfect, but it never was perfect enough. Um, and so, and I also realized that, um, I was just like, okay, just write and don't, you know, obsess about it. Don't even go back and read it. And then, um, I gave my paper to one of my friends to read over and she's like, oh my God, like you're such a good writer. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to hand it in and see what grade I get. Because I find that when I'm up for days, like, none of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it just turns out not good. Um, and I start hearing voices and seeing things. And, like, that's when I know that, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a breakdown. Mm-hmm. So I know, like, I'm in trouble. Um and this wasn't till the end or actually the beginning of my last semester. Um, and I kind of gave up in those other, the semester I withdrew. And um, I don't know, I just kind of questioned if my perfectionism was worth my mental health, my education, my, you know, goals for the future. Um, but it was more than that. Um, I just have this ongoing voice that I'm stupid, I can't do it, I don't make any sense. Um, And I'm just like, how am I supposed to, you know, help other people? It's really, it was all the support from professionals and my director. um, And they worked very hard at accommodating my needs and, you know, pointing out my strengths and the value I have in this field to work in this field. Um, I don't know. I, that was pretty much it. Yeah. That, so, that's a really like great look into, you know, a lot of the different things. I think a lot of the students in the audience can relate to, you know, mm-hmm. hospitalization, um, you know, finding that one person, hopefully students can find at least one, you know, person in their department, whether it be, you know, an instructor or, um, you know, in your case, it was like the program director, um, somebody that can be that person that kind of understands where you're coming from, can be that person to help you through it. And I was very, um, you know, kind of surprised to hear you use the word account hold me accountable when you described what it was about peter that helped you you know some people would say you know oh they held my hand through the tough times or they gave me you know they were you know they gave me a lot of extra you know help but it was like 
the the fact that he held you accountable. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that what that did for you? Um. Well, we would always have meetings and um, talk, and he'd always check in on me. Oh, I'll check in in a week or whatever. Um, uh, maybe not that, but every time I needed to talk to him, he was always there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I didn't want to let him down or my other professors. Like, that was a huge, um, you know, that helped me a lot that I felt that way. So, you know, because they were so accommodating and give me extra time. And it's like, I didn't want to take that, you know, advantage of that. Um, so I worked really hard to, you know, it, it held me accountable to hand in my assignments, no matter how late or, you know, I I just didn't give up. And that's huge. I mean, it was a very big part of my me graduating. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up that, you know, the, the, and I think that's true of the program, and I hope a lot of college programs out there that they are flexible uh, to the needs of people with you know all disabilities. Um, we're talking mental health here today, um, but you know, so they gave you you know extra time if you needed whatever. But they always still kind of came back and said, "You you still have to give this to us." Um, no, and that that I think is kind of the other you know piece of the accountability that I'm glad. You know, I'm glad you valued, you know, it wasn't you didn't get a free ride or, you know, you didn't get the the special treatment. It's like, you know, you got the degree, you earned it just like everybody else, Um, even if it took, you know, you know, a little bit longer on certain assignments or whatnot. Um, Yeah, because in the beginning of a semester, it literally took me. Well, actually, it was the the semester before that. I remember it took me 12 days to write. I don't know, like a three paragraph paper. Cause I was, and I'd be up all night, um, just obsessing over and over, like switching out words. Oh, this sounds stupid. Like the whole entire paper over and over again. Um, so, um, you know, when I was given extra time and this accountability, I was, I didn't have time to do that. So it was very hard for me to, you know, overcome that. And um, so, like, I had to write a paper every day and do assignments. So it just, it, it you know, when I got A's and I was like, wow, I can do this. Like, I don't need to, you know, stay up these, all these days and, you know, obsess about this for a really long time. Like, I... It was a big eye opener. Like, oh, I can just write a paper and get an A. <laughs> it was huge. Like, I don't know, and it sounds okay. Yeah. No, that's a that's a, a wonderful sort of aha moment to have, and it you know it, it kind of sounds like well, yeah. I mean, you you you're a diligent student, but it, you know, I I understand the background. It's like no. I thought I, I thought it took a lot more. I thought I needed to invest all these extra hours, and um, it's yeah. definitely something to really for other students. I think to think about, and for the perfectionists out there, um, yeah. because you were, you know, there there were students that I had, you know, most students that withdrew from school, you know, from classes that I've taken in my experience, usually were doing poorly <laughs> before mm-hmm. they withdrew. And that was sort of 
um, a little bit different for me in that, you, you know, the times where you had to have, where you had to withdraw in the classes, you're always doing well. And it's, it speaks to that kind of perfectionist nature, which can serve us well in a lot of ways. But we do, it seems like you've learned, have to learn to let go of it in other ways. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, the cause of everything, you know, withdrawing and stuff. Like I knew it was the thoughts. I knew it was the symptoms, like, you know, but it becomes so overwhelming and it just takes over. It's like, oh. Yeah. I know I wanted to ask you about one time in particular. Um, um, leave school and go into treatment. I always did that, you know, for myself. And I'm really proud of that. Awesome. Think <laughs> maybe I think maybe I missed a little piece of that. Like uh, Skype went out for a second, but it's okay. Um, I thought you were done, okay. and I started to talk over you, but um, it's all right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, the fall this past fall semester. Mm-hmm. Um, you had reached out to me to basically let me know, you know, you were withdrawing. And that was like the online class you were taking with me at the time. And, you know, I had even gone to to let the program director know like, oh, you know, Lisa, let me know she's withdrawing. And um, maybe it was like a week later you had come back and said, you know, kind of changed your mind and decided to stick it out. And you made up every assignment that was owed to me, um, you know, and then some. And for that from that point on, because I had you in the spring semester as well, you know, you never seem to look back. Like, things really seem to turn around. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, like, w- anything about that you wanted to share? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, so I talked to my program director. Well, I knew I was so far behind. I, like, it didn't seem possible to catch up. Um, like I said, I would have to write a paper every day just to catch up and you know my experience with writing papers wasn't all that you know great um like I was it gave me so much anxiety but um so I was gonna withdraw and I was talking to the program director and um you know he talked me into it he just and I I remember asking he did (laughs) he just started like pointing out my strengths and you know making me realize how far I've come and you know you're almost done and um, I don't know, it got me, it, it let me, you know, see my progress and I don't know, it made me feel like I could do it. But so I asked him if I could take an incomplete, you know, because two classes, you know, having to catch up in sh- such a short amount of time was so overwhelming. I didn't know how I would do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, it turns out that I just missed the deadline to um, withdraw so I can't remember if I took an incomplete in your class did I no yeah. you, you did it no you, oh, did, you wow. turned it you t- I think maybe you took one in the other class but uh, I remember talking with Peter and it was like well you know I think it was like you were either going to take one or, or zero but I it turned out like you kind of had to make up the the work in mine I don't remember what it was Oh, but I did. I didn't get an incomplete. I actually made it all up. Classes. Yeah. Yeah, because you came yeah. to me after that and said, you know, I talked to the program director. I'd like to to try and make it up. 
let's and I said, all right. And we had a meeting. You came in and we set up a plan, you know, because you had some other stuff in your other class that, you know, had to be factored in. And you, you know, you kept it up, you know, if there was any time where you had a date that we had agreed upon that you didn't meet, you, you were in communication, letting me know, all right, it'll be here at this date. And, you know, everything was manageable, you know, and and so uh, I was really impressed by that, because um, it, you know, given the the tone of the email the week prior you know it seemed like things were going you know really bad and and i'm glad that uh i'm glad that the program director was able to help you out there uh and talk you into staying um because it was obviously worth it with getting the degree um so yeah we talk a lot about recovery in our program and i talk a lot about it on the show but it's such a it's such a personal type of thing. It means so much to, you know, so many different things to different people. I wondered if I could get your perspective on, for you, what, what you find recovery means to you. Hmm. I oftentimes have difficult with this, difficulty with this question, but, you know, everyone has a different view of, you know, what it means. Um, it wasn't really something, like, I never thought recovery like I'm in recovery it just wasn't something I you know thought I was working towards even though I was you know progressing in my mental health um and I always thought it was you know when I'm fixed when I'm better like I'll be recovered um you know now I know that it's maintaining an ongoing process and um just trying to find like who I am really. Um, but I have a lot of trouble with that. Like that's something I'm still trying to work at, you know, who I am with out, you know, my mental illness, like, like not letting that define me. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I'm trying, you know, it's just working towards reaching your goals and, learning about, you know, what the the triggers and warning signs and just, you know, progressing. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's, that's a good definition. I like, I especially um, appreciate the part where you kind of refer to, it is sort of this searching for yourself and you acknowledge you're not there yet. Um and that you didn't even realize that you were in recovery for a while before you were, you know, and you probably were. And that's probably, that's something I've heard as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've been in recovery ever since I was 15. Um, mm-hmm. Like I was first diagnosed with a eating disorder and that's what really started it all. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a bunch of trauma happened and abuse and I had all these different diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even really know. You know, like yeah. I've been told so many different things. I'm like, whatever. Doesn't, it doesn't even matter. matter. To me. Exactly. So, um, I, you know, so I've been in recovery for so long and I've just, you know, recently looked at all the progress and I'm like, you know, Lisa, you have to celebrate that, you know, and like how much you've progressed in your recovery and just like, it's inspiring and it, you know, it's, um, makes me want to just work harder at it and 
I don't know. A lot has happened in the past year, like just within myself, getting to know myself and, you know, my whole self-worth has gotten better. And so, yeah, that is, um, I, I could see that, you know, having that effect, I, I'm in recovery myself and, you know, you, you kind of have these periods where it's like, you kind of in the same spot for a while. You don't see much progress. You don't really like kind of think about it. And then like all, a bunch of stuff will happen at once, it seems. Mm-hmm. And you like level up, you know, to take a video game reference. And it's like, oh, you know, I it didn't realize that, it, you know, I just needed to put in all, you know, it was a lot of time that was necessary in right. that case. And then, you know, the time and it just, you know, perfectly coincided where, you know, a couple of things fall into place, you know, coincidentally around the same time. And it's like, ah, yeah. oh, now you actually see the fruits of your labor. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. And it's like I went in and out of like, like I went through therapist and therapist, like one after another. And it was just like, which is exhausting. And, Ugh, I know. Yeah. And nobody takes your insurance. And mm-hmm. so I gave up on that. So that was also part of, you know, I stopped caring. Like mm-hmm. my, I wasn't working on my recovery. So it's been you know, up and down with the past year has been really awesome. Yeah. And I hope I stay there for a while. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, kind of, I'm glad you had the opportunity to talk about it, you know, because I think that opportunities like this, I know from AA, you know, it's like being able to tell your story is sort of like another one of those leveling up things. If you haven't done it before, I don't know, you may have. Um, but it's like this experience of like, I have something now that I can give to others and that that feeling sort of, you know, continues to to breed this confidence is like, I know where I'm at as a person. I'm headed in the right direction. I may not have all the answers yet, but I'm getting closer. Yeah, um, and that's after the whole peer specialist, too. Yeah. Yeah. Why I'm doing that. Um, you touched a little bit upon your support network when talking about Peter, and that might still be a work in progress, too. But I'm wondering if you could kind of tell a little bit about um, the pieces of your support network and how it kind of fell into place for you, what what you have figured out so far. Yeah, um, I never really had support and like in my life, um, my parents, you know, they're not supportive at all. They like I don't expect them to know what it's like, but to have, you know, for them to listen and you know, just care. Like they just, I don't have a relationship with them, but so I have my education coach, which has been very supportive, um, during the school years. Um, and I think the biggest support for me is my friend, Amy. She's, um, she's been through, you know, my hospitalizations with me, like my cocaine addiction, you know, she would take me to all my ECT appointments and drive me back. Like she's been absolutely amazing. Um, and she's probably my biggest support. Um, but I'm trying to think I've just so you know, growing up, I wasn't allowed to talk about my feelings or how I was doing. So I grew up pretty silent and um, just I often struggle with not, 
you know, with um, talking to people, opening up, because I feel like a burden. Like, nobody wants to hear that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, I just don't talk about it. And actually, just recently, I was, you know, I got a new therapist, thankfully. And I just, she asked me the same question, and I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't have really support. Um, I mean... Yeah, it just made me realize that. And I'm like, who can I go to? And I can't really go to anybody besides those two. But it's, you know, being in this program, I've met, um, you know, a few other students and um, with mental illness. And, you know, we've they've become my support. Um, and just being, you know, I want to get more involved in the community, Um volunteering and just meeting new people you know that i can relate to um but yeah yeah that's yeah all right great um all right couple of advice questions so Mm -hmm. we have students listening in today i'm wondering what you know you're in an enviable position for many of them in that you got that degree. Yes. <laughs> um, and others, you know, listening are, are, are on their way, you know, and I have no doubt that, that, you know, many of them will get there. What advice would you have for those college students with mental health issues that have big goals uh, or dreams and might be struggling right now to make some progress on them? Yeah. Um, you know, I think everyone struggles, um, but with mental illness, I've, it's more difficult. Um, I would say, you know, take baby steps um, and make goals that are reachable within the time limit. And, you know, don't, um, you know, think that if you make a mistake um, that, you know, forget it. Like, I made a mistake and just... I'm, that's it. I'm done. Cause I used to do that. I would fall and then just give up everything. And, um, so I think, um, you know, when that happens, you know, get back up and not lose that momentum and keep that dream or goal in your forefront. For me, um, I don't know. Um, like what, one day at a time, but baby steps is a huge one. Like within your goal, setting other goals, you know, smaller ones. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, one day at a time, one task at a time. But to focus on your strengths and accomplishments, you know, um, and celebrating that, you know, what are you proud of? Um, I don't know. I mean, everyone can do it. it like I but it takes work and in the end it feels so good when you reach a goal like (laughs) yeah yeah i'm glad you've learned to celebrate some (laughs) yeah yeah it Um, took a while but like when i graduated it was i was sad it was over (laughs) i was graduating all like i was celebrating all week i was Mm -hmm. like uh (laughs) because it was so big for me and it felt I wanted to hold on to that feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the next pursuit begins. Yeah. Uh, so, and then for faculty that might be listening, because we did touch upon um, 
the impact of faculty on on some of your goals in this interview. Uh, what advice would you have for them that are listening today, thinking about you know students that may have a mental illness in their classrooms, and uh, what it might take for them to succeed? What can we do as faculty um, to better help those students? Um, I think that let's see. Just being educated on mental illness and, you know, the warning signs or, you know, different behaviors and just to be educated on it. Um, I, I think that's a good thing. I think that all teachers should be educated about it. Um, also, you know, offer assistance through counseling services, um, um, one of my professors, you know, referred me to counseling service and I got a, that's where I got my education coach, you know, um, and also helping link to resources like other resources that students may not know are available. Um, uh, it's good advice, um, not to cut you off, but I, I just think it's worth repeating because I think sometimes in our minds, the faculty we just assume that students know about these resources because we know yeah. about them and we've known about them because we put them in every syllabus. <laughs> but that we just happen to do that in our program. I know a lot of schools don't. But um, that doesn't mean that students read the, the syllabus, especially the fine print, or go and explore the the, you know, the wellness websites as, as much as we think they might. Um, so I'm glad you bring that up. It's like even if you think um, – student might already know about the resource there's a chance they don't and giving them that information like you said it led to a very important resource for you being discovered um so i also think like you know teachers reaching out to students you know talking to them and letting them know you care and i think that's really important too um and you know like you like i did with you planning you know maybe meet with them and talk about you know planning so a goal plan um yeah so that's my answer <laughs> all right well thank you so much for coming on the show today lisa it was really a pleasure having you thank you for asking me and we are back did i live up to my promise uh i hope that you guys uh enjoyed that as much as i enjoyed doing that interview so all right, home exercise time. So just to review real quick uh, what we've been working on the last few weeks. So we're here in week four, and the first week, as we normally do on the show, when we start off a semester, we pick a goal, something that matters to us, we write it down, or even better than writing it down, or in addition to writing it down, would be to tell somebody that you, you know, that you're close with that you want to do this goal. You know, hey, I want to get a... Uh, 4.0 this semester or you know I want to pass my classes or it doesn't have to be an educational goal you know I want to um, learn a new sport or you know meet somebody new or quit smoking whatever the hell you want to do I want to try and double my listener downloads this semester is my goal for the show so I wrote that down, and that was step two, or uh, the home exercise for week two. Write down a plan for your goal. List out the steps. Assign a deadline for the first step. Put that step on your to-do list. 
So I hope you guys took advantage of, you know, the early semester time when you don't necessarily have as much due as would come up later in the semester. So that's a good time to set up a plan, you know, get the first step done and out of the way. Then last week, we worked on finding our tribe. You know, we had somebody on that was talking about, you know, Greek life, but that may not be for everybody. I realize that, and hopefully you were able to get some of the more, the, the larger values from that interview in terms of, you know, feeling like you found a place where you belong and the value that having support in the, in the form of, you know, people on campus uh, that you can relate to or people online, you know, that works too. But to take one step was the uh, exercise last week to find your tribe. Uh, or if you're already new to a tribe, uh, do one thing to strengthen your ties with that new tribe. So I talked about my yoga experience, and uh, I did actually go to a second yoga class. It was uh, a town one. Uh, it was offered by the town in, in the middle of the green. Uh, it was a beautiful morning, too. So it was actually really nice, and it was a family thing. So I went with my wife and my son. So that was my second step. Um, and that you may be like, well, he's talking about trying to improve his downloads of his podcast. Why is he now also talking about yoga? Well, because if you... You know, you've been listening for a while. You probably figured this stuff out. You know, the, these things all connect. You know, the fact that I am, you know, interested in yoga may not have any kind of actual connection to getting uh, physical more downloads this semester. I understand. But if I am in a better position mentally, uh, if I am feeling better physically, if I am practicing mindfulness, and we're going to get to that later in the semester, just did an interview today about that, actually. Really um, happy with the way that one came out, too. Um, all of those things, if I can get better at through yoga or whatever it is that works for you, it's going to make me deliver a better, better product to you. The podcast will be better if I'm feeling better about myself. And if it's, the podcast is better... Theoretically, it should generate more downloads, right? Or another thing, way to think about it is if I am, you know, at my optimal peak, you know, in terms of, you know, maintaining my stress levels, my work-life balance, all that kind of stuff, it's going to put me in a position to think of good ideas to be able to grow the podcast. And you can't do that with a stressful mind or with, you know, a, a body that just isn't in its, you know, peak condition. And I'm, I'm not there yet, <laughs> trust me, but... I'm working at it every day, and I realize how the two connect. So hopefully yeah, that ties in for you. All right, home exercise for this week is to reach out for some help. Yeah, I'm actually telling you, go ask for some help somewhere. And, you know, hopefully it can relate to your goal. Um, and, you know, like you heard in the interview today, you know, the support that came with somebody reaching out for help in Lisa's case to her program director, you know, and the good that it achieved, um, or reaching out to her um, supervisor, as she talked about early on in the episode, uh, early on in the interview, and it led to a, uh, a job opportunity. Um, so reach out. She is actually reaching out for help, but she was just trying to learn more information in that case. Uh, so reach out for help related to your goal, and you might be surprised as to where that help takes you. You know, maybe um, some kind of new mentorship relationship to explore or a business opportunity or something else. 
um, research, internship, whatever. You know, you never know what, what, where it can lead through these sort of, you know, networking opportunities that might begin with asking for help. Or in some cases, this has been an effective strategy too when you're specifically looking for a mentor is uh, if you have someone in mind, ask them how you can help them and they may take you up on the offer. So, uh, so work on that this week and next week we'll come back. We will check out, we will check in, I should say, on our goal progress. I will have some numbers. Well, yeah, you know, some percentages for you. Um, to be able to show what my progress has been or lack thereof towards my goal. And I hope you can take stock. You know, we do this every five weeks. So we divide the semester up into thirds. And you could do this from an academic standpoint too. kind of assess yourself at the end of the fifth week if you're doing a typical 15-week semester and determine, like, what have I done well? Where, what are my strengths? Uh, and where are the areas that I need to work on over the next five weeks to get better at and to get closer to the academic goals that I have. All right. All right. Uh, so next week, I am excited to kind of bring you a follow-up to this episode. Um, Lisa talked about how uh, she had ECT, or electroconvulsive therapy, and that is uh, a topic that I was interested in learning more about and uh, found somebody. So I'm going to be giving, bringing you an interview uh, next week with somebody that has uh, a good deal of experience in uh, electroconvulsive therapy. So um, hopefully you guys find some interest in that, even if you're not, um, you know, if you don't have, you know, the the condition that would necessitate something like that. I think there's definitely a good deal uh, to learn. Um, and so and you'll also get to hear me check in on my goal progress. So of course you want to come back for that. All right. All right, guys. Have a great kick-ass week. Uh, I will be back at you next Thursday. Peace. Peace.